You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw. Steve Lorenz here with me, and lots to discuss. We're going to try to keep it really simple. We have five true false questions. Of course, there will be um, a few different angles that we'll look at for all of them. But after last week, I mean, Steve, I don't know about you. Not, not much has changed in terms of my opinion of where things stand with this program. Um, we'll talk about it a little bit, but no need to get existential. No need to go on. Uh, Michigan got smoked 49 to 11 worst home loss since 1935 worst or first one and three start since 1967 wrong kind of history uh this team is making and so really uh lots lots to dig in so let's go ahead and get started with our true falses of course if you want to read more about any of these specific topics or any other topics already got several stories up up over at the michiganinsider.com michigan.247sports.com uh for those that are new we also podcast uh, I think between the three podcasts, because we have a basketball one and a recruiting one, I think we're up to like five episodes a week at this point. Lots of um, great discussion on Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. So check it out. Subscribe. Uh, share it with your friends. Throw us a rating if you like it. Love to love to see the positive feedback. But, but first, true-false question, Steve. Uh, I'm actually going to let you kind of lead this one. So I missed this. I, you know, we were covering... Um, you know, the players and the coaches after the game writing writing stories late into the night. And uh, I guess Cam McGrone, Michigan linebacker, went on with Doug Karsh, who does is part of the IMG broadcast uh, for Michigan football. And and do you have the exact I don't know if you have the exact quote, Steve, but what what did he say? Apparently, this is starting to get um, some buzz with with the fans. Right. Not the exact quote, but. Somebody posted on our board uh, said that the attitude in the building before this game was lackadaisical due to basically implying Michigan's two game losing streak. Obviously the implication being culture locker room culture issues, apparently, you know, that's so pretty simple, but like I said, before, so, so our question I guess would be, is camera grown? Right. Right. I mean, I don't know. Now, particularly, it seemed like defensively, the answer would be yes. Harder to say on the offensive side of the ball. Felt like it didn't, it never really felt like Michigan was playing lackadaisical offensively necessarily. It just didn't look good. But defensively, I mean, I put it this way. I mean, you gotta you gotta say so. Michigan goes on and uh, McNamara comes in. Michigan goes on and scores right away. That next drive, when Michigan actually had created some energy offensively, was the only drive of the game where it, like it looked like Michigan was like playing fast. It was just a different drive, and I want to say I don't know was that the one where they forced the three and out and then ran into the punter and then Wisconsin <laughs> went down and scored. But regardless, you know. It was like it just looked totally different that drive, and it was kind of like and even uh, I think Herb Street had even 
you know, made a comment after they forced the three and out before the penalty was, you know, that Michigan looked completely different defensively on that drive. And then you see late in the game when Wisconsin just, you know, running 43 yard fullback draws and stuff. And I, I get at that point, the game's over and it's hard to like, you know, it's demoralizing. I mean, they're running for over 300 yards and I think they had like five or six guys rush for like 20 plus yards or something. Um, they had four players rush for 20 more yards than Michigan did as a team. There you go. Including so, receiver Danny Davis yeah. and fullback John Chanel. Yeah. So hard to get, like hard to show energy uh, in a situation like that. But to me, it just felt like it's just spotty. The energy and the, the, the it's, it's just spotty. It's like, if they make a good play, you know, like Vince Gray, who, you know, not, don't know what this means, but probably played his best game of the year yesterday, uh, made a couple, a few good plays or whatever, got got what I thought was kind of a, a questionable penalty called, but, you know, makes a good play and then a little bit of energy there, but like just across the board, and this is something that I think, you know, fans have been mentioned in the last few weeks. And I think you're just, it's, it's, now it's more noticeable because you kind of watch it is like Michigan sideline just looks dead. Um, you know, and, and for a while it's like, okay, well that, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's not a palpable energy in there, but at this point, and you see what it looks like on the field, you know, I think there was the one play where I think it was Watson who ran it right up the middle. And I mean, it was just, it just looked terrible. You know, it was a play where he hit the he hit the second level at the seven yard line, and you already knew he was going to score. I mean, it just it was just, and again, it wasn't necessarily a play that you look back at and say, "Oh man, that was designed perfectly schematically by Wisconsin." It just it literally just looked like Michigan was letting themselves get pushed around. And so, uh, I, I actually, yeah, I definitely think it's true, and more so, at least visibly, more so on the defensive side of the ball. So, just for the. For those who weren't at the game, I actually liked Michigan's body language before the game a lot. I, I did not think it was very good against Indiana last week. I thought they were, I mean, it was just comical. I almost took a video of it, but I, I, I never want to get into run into a situation where they're not going to let me into games because I'm filming during the game. You know, But the sideline demeanor between Indiana and Michigan before the game and really in the first quarter was just, it was hysterical. It was like, you know, Michigan wasn't like just sitting there, but they weren't. They they looked like they were like playing a ho hum football game, and Indiana's like jacked up to a million. Now I think Minnesota did the same thing, and Michigan still uh, crushed them. But I actually felt like it was Michigan looked legitimately fired up for the game. So I don't know if lackadaisical is maybe the right word. I I do think Michigan went into that game not believing that it would win the game. I, I I don't know. Again, we're not in the locker room. I don't know if that's true. But if you go back and watch, and I actually briefly did go back and rewatch Michigan's uh, 2016 game against Wisconsin, 2018 game against Wisconsin, Michigan's just a completely different program right now. You know, those two games, Wisconsin was still a top 15 team both times. Um you know, Michigan was, I think they were both times as well. And Michigan just looked like a team that was ready to make a championship run. 
you know, that was kind of the peak of both of their seasons, arguably. And, um, you know, they were, they were hungry. They were, you know, it was the, the extra place, you know, not just the, yeah, you have to tackle somebody, but like, like the let's, let's play inspired. Let's have an outlier performance. Someone, you know, jo- the Jordan Lewis one-handed interception, right? The, uh, and, and not just players, but the coaches, you know, there was the train formation. You had Dylan McCaffrey running for 80 yards. I uh, got called back if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken, but or Shea Patterson had an 81 yard run. And you're just kind of, you're, you're doing things that coaching and playing that you hadn't seen before. And that was not the case Saturday. So I will, I camera grown's always told it like it is. He does not, um, to press conference lingo when he talks with us. I mean, he is a very upfront, honest person. I, you know, I think I talked to him at a, um, one of the protests this summer was, we just came away very impressed. I, I don't think he would lie. Um, so I don't, but I don't know if maybe lackadaisical was the word I would take. I do think the team was defeated before the game started just, and I think, I think it was like, as soon as, as you mentioned, as soon as Wisconsin showed that they were like indeed Wisconsin and not some shorthanded, you know, shell of Wisconsin, I think it was over. It kind of right. reminded me of the Alabama game where, uh, was it Jerry Judy on the first play for 80 yards? And, and Michigan fought back in that game, but it was kind of like as soon as they showed that, it was like, nope. <laughs> right. You know, Michigan needed Michigan needed Wisconsin to show up looking like a shell of itself, and and instead it didn't. That's a and that's I mean that's a problem in its own in itself. Um, I, I kind of wondered. I thought it was interesting. You said before the game, you know, when you're interviewing a guy after the game, they could have come into the game fired up, but like it just felt like yeah, like I said, I before we recorded, you know, I mentioned first play offensively of the game, a Wisconsin won the toss and received. And I think they took that as an opportunity to come right out and demoralize Michigan. I think they did that last year. too. I believe so. I believe so. And first play of the game, you know, Michigan's entire front four got blown off the ball about five or six yards. And it was like, yep. And that, that was reminiscent of last year as well. Uh, but again, this is not just a Wisconsin thing at this point. I mean, this is much bigger than Michigan, just not matching up against Wisconsin or not bringing it against Wisconsin. So, uh, but yeah, I just, it's, I don't know how you could watch them defensively, particularly last night and not say there's definitely some defeated players uh, mentally uh, on the roster right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean that, and that's a really tricky, that just speaks to how momentum driven college football is. You know, I, I think um, I mentioned it in a story, like you don't get to be like an okay team anymore. Like you're either, especially at a program like Michigan where, where the expectations are so high and the, the fan base is so uh, vocally passionate. And, and honestly, the players are, have really high standards for themselves. I mean, you don't get to be like a, a ho-hum team. It's either, you're in the running for everything or things can spiral very quickly. And so I believe it, it you know, I think, I think Michigan kind of, uh, I, I, I caution this by saying, I'm, I don't know. I would not be surprised if Michigan had already kind of viewed the season as a lost season before Saturday night. And that is not the mindset you can afford to have playing a team as mistake-free as physically punishing and as 
consistent, deep, and experienced as Wisconsin. I mean, I think Michigan had four seniors starting combined on offense and defense. And I think Wisconsin had, I mean, it's hard to tell with the red shirts and stuff. I, I want to say they might've had 13 or 14. Uh, so that's, it's a, it's a totally different kind of program. Um, next true false. Don Brown needs to be fired now. So in the past we've talked what does Michigan gain from firing Don Brown? Uh, you know, they're already down or you know, Bob Shoup is not coaching in an on-field capacity, uh, whatever, whatever that means. And th- they have Mike Zordich, but other than that, it's a, it's a relatively uh, new group to Michigan. And so, so you would, you would be basically promoting GAs to position coaches the rest of the way. And then does Michigan's defense get better by subtracting its coordinator for the last five years? So we kind of, we, I think we were both in the same spot. Okay. Maybe you don't make, make it now. I mean, that would really just appease the fans optically. It wouldn't actually make Michigan a better team. Steve, has your opinion changed? Do they need to uh, move on from Don Brown ASAP as opposed to waiting for the season to end? So I've gone back and forth on this one. Uh, my two biggest questions were, is there somebody on staff right now that they think would be capable of becoming a DC? My my belief in that is probably not. And then second was, could Michigan successfully do it on November? Let's just say today, like on November 15th, about a month before uh, the first signing period starts for recruits. Could they successfully do it without losing any of like, we'll just say, we'll just say the top guys are recruiting. I'm not trying to poo-poo on anybody in the class, but could you do it? Let's say without losing junior Colson, you know, who's again, a guy that should be a very, very productive college player, you know? So can you do it without cratering the, def- the defensive side of your recruiting class? Um, that one, I'm not sure about. I know our Tennessee guy, Ryan Callahan, just talked to Colson last week, and Colson made it sound like he was signing with Michigan even if Jim Harbaugh wasn't coming back. So, hmm. wow, there's that. Um, which, again, believe it when you see it, I suppose. But well, yeah, but right, but, but the, still, the, that was a stronger. There is confidence, you know. You, you, I think you should save it for the recruiting episode. But there is, it did seem like this this class is standing even more behind, like they're kind of digging their, their feet in a right, little bit. Right. Again. I agree, which is good news. Cause I think, I do think this is uh results on this, on the field for the t- actual team this season, not results, notwithstanding. I do think this is a pretty good recruiting class that they're bringing in. I think the last couple classes have been pretty good. I think it's the early classes for Harbaugh that are really killing them right now more than anything. So mm-hmm. um I don't know. I, 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 like I said before the episode, I was kind of in true, but the more I've kind of thought about it, it's like, I don't know. I don't know what purpose it would serve right now. I guess. Um, just you can't, you're not going to be able to go out and hire somebody else right now. Cause you're, I'm assuming whoever you're going to look at or want to hire are guys that are coaching for another program right now and I don't know if you've ever seen them you've been, you've seen mid season 
firings, but not mid-season like poachings. Right. I think from like a guy who's actually still coaching with a program. So, um, you know, I guess I would still lean false just because, yeah, I don't, I don't really think it doesn't do anything for Michigan right now. And it doesn't to do it at this very moment. Doesn't do anything for their like future either. I mean, I'm sure you got to think that there are candidates out there or guys that are, are being evaluated out there. You got to think it's, it's come to the table at some point that they're at least keeping their ears open, their eyes open to see, you know, if this is a move we make, who are we going to look at? I would think maybe not, but you know, I don't think it serves anybody any purpose right now to do it. I think it, like, I agree. I think if anything, it'd be more of an optics type move. And even then I don't think Michigan's defense is going to get, much better this season. Uh, I thought that was one thing that would turn around, but yesterday kind of put the, you know, they'll get incrementally better, but I don't expect to see some big leap or anything from them throughout the year, whether it's Don Brown coaching them or not. So, so I'm actually going to take the true. I, I didn't think I, I, you know, I'm kind of in the same boat. It's, it's something that I, I go back and forth on and, and that's, um, but you know, I mentioned it's really just to appease the fans. Well, at the end of the day, I mean, it, you know, you focus on your team first. Sure. If, you, if you're Jim Harbaugh, um, you do need fans and boosters to show up for you, though. And if they if they just think that you're taking all this lying down. And you're just kind of like, oh, no, Don Brown's still an amazing coach. Which I actually I will give Jim Harbaugh credit. We'll talk about this in in one of a different question. I felt like Jim was very transparent, as transparent as he's been. I wouldn't say very transparent. Relative to him, he was very transparent and open that Michigan has um, serious problems across the board. Last night, I, I don't I don't think he shied away from just how bad the loss was, which I think he has done in the past, but. Yeah, you need I mean you need fans and boosters. Maybe not like, you know, the the Twitter mention fans, but at some point you if you're going to be if you're Jim Harbaugh and you're kind of trying I guess arguably fighting for an extension, maybe um you know, it's it's time to find Well, no, it's time to it's time to show that you're not going to accept what's happening. I mean, Michigan it's now six games, six games giving up an average of 460 yards per game. I don't actually have the exact stat, but it's around 39 points per game. And they've been, they've lost by 15 plus four of those times. Granted, very tough six game stretch. If, if you know, dating back to last season, you have Ohio State, Alabama. Uh, Minnesota, Michigan State, but then you have Indiana, Wisconsin, who uh, are both undefeated. Both look like they could be maybe playing for a New Year's Six Bowl in the next few weeks. Still, Michigan's better than what they're showing. And so whatever Don Brown's defense is, it has become predictable and beatable to multiple teams. Not, it's You know, a year ago, it was just an Ohio State thing, and everyone was like, well, I don't get it. But now, 
you know, Wisconsin may be a little different because they're just, they have their Wisconsin brand, but everything else is, um, I don't know. Indiana's not supposed to light you up for 38 points. Michigan state's not supposed to throw for 330 plus yards on you. All you, all you have to do is look at what Michigan state has done since the Michigan game. Yeah. To show, to show you that there's a clear blueprint that teams are capitalizing on to, I mean, Rocky Lombardi was benched on Saturday and has, right. I, I want to say no touchdowns and four interceptions since the Michigan game. Right. I have something like that. It's, it's close. Okay. either way. I, I he, believe you. Yeah. Right, either way he was benched on Saturday and was like, it was not a one drive benching. It was a, he was benched and sat the rest of the game. Right. He threw for 323 yards and three touchdowns against Michigan. So anyway, I, I think, you know, I don't know what's going on in the locker room in terms of whether the players like Don Brown. I don't know if firing Don Brown would be a welcome move, but I, I do think, I mean, you know, we said, does it make the team better? Well, it doesn't make the team worse. And it, it would make fans feel better, I think. And so um, I think it is time. You know, I think it is time. And, and honestly, you know, I, I get Don Brown won't actually do this, but he's got to look and, and think it's time, right? I mean, he's just not doing a good job. You can say, I mean, Michigan's defense has gotten worse from last season and then throughout this season. Players that looked like potential, I mean, players are playing their way out of the NFL draft right now which is just, that is like the opposite of everything Michigan has done for the last five years. You have players who were on draft boards or, you know, probably in situations where they'd probably be drafted. Now they might be using that extra year of eligibility to come back and play for Michigan another season because the, the market just isn't there for them. I, we always say returning players, um, very rarely regress. If anything, maybe they just, people understand how to play against them. Steve, I don't know about you. I feel like there's been some regression uh, in certain spots on the defense. And so, and that's, that's on Don Brown. I mean, his schemes, it, it just, I don't know. I think every team knows exactly what they want to do against Don Brown's defense. And that's, I think about like 2016, 2017, even the best offenses other than Saquon Barkley, I guess, but even the best offenses in the, in the country weren't sh- exactly sure what they wanted to do against Don Brown's defense. So, um, yeah, I think back to like when they gave up 42 points and what 400 some yards to Penn state in 2017 and Don Brown lost sleep for a year over it. Yeah. I can't imagine he's sleeping much. Now he's literally doing that every single week. It was an eternity ago so. that game was. And that was <laughs> right. the outlier, right? That was the outlier at the time. Exactly. Even, even you even look at 16 against Ohio State, Michigan had what, like 18 tackles for a loss or something, like some insane number of like tackles for a loss. I mean, they were in Ohio State's backfield the whole game. I think even though Ohio State scored 42 points in that game, that it was the offense that had kind of, I think, kind of let them down at the end of the day. But I mean, yeah, that feels like, forever and a half ago right now so no i agree 
with the regression, though, we talked about this before we got on. I mean, just look at Michigan's linebacker play. And, like, that's where I – that's where I am I'm lost because you talk about, like, that guys aren't playing the way – like, Cameron McGrone is a better player than what he has shown so far this year. I 100% believe that. Josh Ross, while we maybe overestimated how productive he would be, he is definitely better than this, though, right? And mm-hmm. um, yeah, that's where it's like, you know, and the thing I cannot wrap my finger around, we don't have to go too far off on a tangent on this, is like go back to just the work Michigan put in this offseason. This felt like, and this was not based on anything coaches had said or any, it's like this was from the players speaking and just the, the well, honestly, even look at like the low testing rates positive rates for Michigan, like one of the best programs in the country. To me, that was an indication that these guys were all on the same page were wanted to put in the work and like wanted to play, you know, it just felt like they were, uh, they had kind of bonded as a unit and all the work they put in. And now you see this, it's like, it's like unfathomable to see how far down or how low this has sunk when you just, you know, it's just, it's not even Michigan's biggest detractors. You know, you can say we were all of our, everyone's preseason predictions were wrong, et cetera, et cetera. Nobody would have seen something like this coming at all. No, no. And that's, um, yeah, making history in the wrong direction, surprising everybody, shocking the world in the wrong direction. And, and yeah, that's a good point. Uh, again, doesn't need to, don't need to spend too much time on it. What was Michigan doing all off season? Longest off season ever. They never had a stoppage. One of not, not too many power five programs can say that, um, you know, Boston college, ironically, Penn state actually, um, you know, I think, I think there's a few, few programs that didn't have a stoppage, but boy, it really looks like, I don't know. I don't know what Michigan was doing all off season. All right, we're going to pause, take a quick break, hear some words from our sponsors. The Wolverine 24-7 podcast will be back in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. All right. Thanks for waiting. Let's get back to the discussion. And that brings us to our next question. So I thought Jim Harbaugh mentioned it. I actually thought that he had uh, a rather good press conference. You know, I, I I was kind of expecting him to just downplay everything, be really um, curt with Michigan media, you know, answer with like one sentence, answer eight questions, get out of there. 
Uh, he didn't. He was he was a little bit. I mean, he repeated himself, but he was a little bit more open than I expected and than what he typically is after a loss. And he says that or he said that everything needs to be evaluated. Um, that in, it starts with him. He's at the front of the line. And so, Steve, true or false? Michigan's biggest problem right now at the front of the line is is Jim Harbaugh. And so, of course, of course, he's going to say it. That is exactly what a head coach always has to say that. Uh, and and yes, the buck stops with head coaching. But is in your mind is Jim Harbaugh Michigan's biggest problem right now? Biggest problem. I'm still going to say no. I I just think it's I think it's what we just got done talking about. I think it's the defense. I think it's the defensive scheme. Here's the thing. With the offense, at least you can point to the fact that they literally have 11 new starters. Right? Again, it's still the play calling has been inconsistent. They haven't been as good as we projected them to be or, or believe that they would be. But at least offensively, you know, it's similar to like last year where the with the first year under Gaddis where they start out really slow, they look like crap, and then they kind of picked it up as they gelled a little bit more in the season wore on. They have nobody on that side of the ball um, that's like has hardly any experience, let alone with Jalen Mayfield and Ryan Hayes both being out the last two weeks. I was going to say, at first I was like 11 new starters. And right, well, I'm, I'm talking about with Mayfield. Yeah, being out, no, you're so, absolutely right. So it's a completely new unit. You have guys now – not really. I mean, I don't. I wouldn't say Stuber playing tackle is out of position, but it's not the position he started the season at. So it's it's you know, so I no. Then that's not to say that Harbaugh is not part of the problem. I'm not saying that at all. I'm saying he's not the biggest problem. I just I still think it. I just still think it comes down to Michigan's regression defensively because I I do think, and we'll get into. I know we'll get into quarterback, but. I do think that Michigan's offense is a unit that's going to get better as the season goes on. I could be dead wrong here, but I do think they're going to get better as the season goes on because I think, you know, outside of Ronnie Bell, all these guys are pretty much brand new face and Eubanks. So maybe not 11 new starters, but um, pretty much an overhaul. I think you're going to see them get a little bit better, if not maybe take a couple good steps as the season goes forward. You know, so to me, I, I still think it's the just the defensive regression. I realize Harbaugh is responsible for his for the hirings and, and all that type of stuff, but you can't look back at the end of the day and say mm-hmm. that Don Brown wasn't the right hire at the time. It's just now I think it's time where it's like they need something new, something needs to change. I mean, he's his overall body of work at Michigan has actually been really, really good, but these last like five or six games have really, really put a damper on his overall body of work. And I think it, you're, we're starting to see enough patterns, enough things where it's time for a change there for sure. Yeah. So in terms of the true false Michigan's biggest problem right now is Jim Harbaugh. Um, can I cop out and say maybe, because I, I think Michigan's biggest problem, we kind of touched on it with, with the uh, lackadaisical question. I think Michigan's biggest problem is that is the tinted glasses that it looks at itself with. I think, you know, we talk about, they kind of 
we, we probably take them too much at their word in these press conferences. I think there is a serious problem where Michigan, Michigan takes itself at its word. I mean, because I, I believe that they're, that they're, they're, they're speaking honestly. I don't think they're going into press conferences saying we got to convince everybody that this team's good because it's terrible. I think they honestly convince themselves that they are um, better than they are. They talk themselves into it. I mean, I've heard of games that they've lost by 20 plus where Michigan went in, you know, so confident they thought they were going to win by 20 plus. And, and they just, I, I think that they downplay, they have a tendency to downplay weaknesses um, that they have, you know, they, that's probably not the worst error to make if your team is, is good. Um, but, you know, for example, if you're missing a lot of starters on the offensive line and saying, oh, well, you know, going to fix it. Ed Warner's got it. It's fine. No big deal. As opposed to scheming around, maybe not having a good offensive line. Same thing on the defensive line. I mean, they, they saw the defensive tackles all fall. You know, they saw what this team had and they saw the linebackers and what they were looking like in the cornerbacks. And, um, you know, I know they actually cornerback, maybe that's a little unfair. They did move, make, you know, they, they tried to, move Dax Hill over there. They move Sammy. Fa- I mean, they, they added reserves to the cornerback room. It, it just hasn't worked out, but um, yeah, I mean, I, I really question, you know, Harbaugh kind of says everything's got to be put under the microscope. I really am almost concerned for Michigan. If they're going to really see the problem or if they're going to kind of gloss over it or, or, you know, just kind of say like, oh, well, this will start working. You know, this will, as you, you know, you kind of expect the offense to get better. Totally fair for you to say that. I think you bring up some good points, but does, is Michigan looking at it and saying, yeah, it'll get better. It's just a young offense. Or are they saying, holy bleep, we got to figure something out. You know, we got to, we got to burn the midnight oil to figure out what's going on here. It can be both. Um, I think it, it in can that be regard, both. at least it offensively, should be, at least it offensively. should be more the latter. I think. Sure. You know, I, I think. I think that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. Is, um, you know, stop stop thinking that your game plan is going to beat people because right now it's not. I mean, when was last time Michigan out prepared? At least from the results we saw, out prepared an opponent. I guess Minnesota. You could maybe talk me into the Alabama game, but really that's that's not something Michigan does anymore. Michigan isn't showing up um, ready for a fight. It's showing up expecting to win and not in the like back it up way. <laughs> you know, the, so confidence can be good. Overconfidence uh, can be really detrimental. And I, I just, from from my view, I just can't help but wonder if that's, um, if that's, where Michigan is is really struggling is is not being honest with itself about how far it has to go and not being honest with itself about the work that it has to do to get back to those 2016 and 2018 levels of play. Um, and that's that's where I say I don't I don't know if that's necessarily a Jim Harbaugh thing. You know, that's you know, I mentioned I said maybe with this question. That could fall on Jim Harbaugh. But Jim Harbaugh's also seen really good 2016 teams and really good 2018 teams. And I, I guess seen is underselling it. He created those teams. I mean, it, 2016, I know it was Brady Hoke's recruits. They weren't looking like they were on track for that in 2014. 
you know, and then 2018 was a vast majority Jim Harbaugh recruited players. And so um, I, I have a hard time believing that he isn't capable of fixing that. So I don't, I hesitate to say he is the bar none biggest problem, but call it culture, call it preparation. I think Michigan has a tendency to see the best in itself, which can be a good trait to have if you're like you or me and just getting through ordinary life. But Michigan, Michigan has, you know, much higher expectations than like getting through a season. They, they, you know, I mean, they've lost to top 15, top 10 programs the last two weeks and look at what's going on. Look at what's transpiring. And that's, and it's fair. I mean, Michigan was supposed to be a team that faced, I mean, I think before this season, um, I think Michigan had eight top 15 wins under Jim Harbaugh. That's going off the top of my head. But I mean, like in, in five years, so they were supposed to win some of these games. And, and now they, they're not just losing, you know, it's not a hard fought game that, you know, just bounce the, the ball bounced the wrong way. They're getting smoked. They've been outscored. What's uh, 87 to 32 the last two weeks. That's not, that's, that's a team that has, has lost its way. So I could believe it being on Jim Harbaugh first and foremost, but I think, I think it goes beyond Jim Harbaugh. I think it's a pattern of overconfidence, particularly in the off season that is kind of stunting or not stunting. That's limiting what Michigan can accomplish in games. Do you, do you think let's take, let's go at the offense on this one real quick. Do you almost think that there's like, yeah, yeah. I think the overconfidence might be the right word, That there's such a belief that their process is eventually going to work that they just, they kind of just think that if they just keep at it the way they have been, that there's all of a sudden the lights just going to go on for everybody at the same time. Yeah. That, that's I, honest, the... I think they say that on defense too. I think that, you know, I think that's what's happening on the defensive line because Steve, let me ask you this. You've seen this defensive line four games in, and, and honestly, I don't put too much stock into yesterday. I mean, if they're missing, they're starting defensive ends. They're missing their starting defensive ends. Very few teams are going to look, still look good. But based on what you've seen from the defensive tackles, can you think of one reason why they didn't hit the transfer portal harder and try to find a player? Um, it's so there. It's not now because the the thing that I mean the thing that I go back to, and. Not exactly going to say we were wrong because we're never privy to the details. But when Michael Dwomfor left, my thought was, okay, they must feel pretty good about A, Donovan Jeter, B, Welshoff, who, to be fair, is still, I think, a guy that will eventually... I don't know if he was... I guess maybe he could have been on track to move to DT. Right. Either but, way, but either way. And, and Chris Hinton. It... You know, not really at this point, to be honest. And they did, they did put in some inquiries. Don't get me wrong, but they never. It was never a serious. It's like a guy like Swan for Indiana was a guy I think Michigan <laughs> really or Mike Williams. Two, both of the guys that you know, Stanford had all those guys that transferred out in right. the, the off season. Uh, both guys that they were with Mike Williams in particular, they seemed interested in, but never. You know, all in 
must get one of these guys. Yeah, I don't know if it's fair to say they should have gotten a transfer. I think it's absolutely fair to say they should have opened their eyes and um and pursued harder. Yeah. I mean they they knew what they had. They they know so much more than we do about what this team looks like in practice and and I I I wrote about it on Thursday or Friday. They say they're a good team in practice. I I don't believe it. Um I I have to believe other than the fact that like teams always look good in practice cuz they're facing themselves and they have chances to like kind of make plays in a in a pressure free setting. I think Michigan if Michigan didn't see this coming at all that is Michigan's biggest problem because this team it's it's not bad luck. You know they it used to be when Jim Harbaugh's teams lost it was it was kind of fluky. It was like oh wow uncharacteristic drops lost to Iowa or the spot or the punt, you know, even, even the, yeah. uh, even the Utah game, the first game of Jim Harbaugh's tenure, it was like, uh, you know, Jake Rudock threw three interceptions that were, you know, kind of um, fluky by nature a little bit, uh, you know, in 20, even in 2017, other than the Saquon Barkley game, none of those games were like Michigan didn't have a chance in the world to win. Michigan's, and now, Michigan's, now they just aren't as good. Right. I was say but, Michigan's worst team under Harbaugh was 17, and that's still a team that legitimately had a chance to beat Ohio State. Now, a team that has a ton more talent from top to bottom on it is not going to stand any kind of shot against right. Ohio State. And I'd so, argue, to me, yeah, to me, that's that's that that happens um, January to September. And granted, this year. I understand that things are a little different. Um, I think you can, you, you can kind of take the heat off just a little bit, but still, how does it, how does a talented team go backwards? And that's to me, I, I, I can't help but wonder if overconfidence convincing themselves that, they, that they'll be good one way or another is, is really what's hurting Michigan the most. Um, next question Let's let's go with the quarterback one. <laughs> Sorry to go from big picture to something very specific, but um, but Michigan should go with Cade McNamara the rest of the way. So Steve, I I kind of floated this by you before before we hit record. I felt like Cade McNamara's three throws on that one touchdown drive, Michigan's only touchdown drive. I thought they might have been the best three throws <clears throat> Michigan's had all season. Excuse me. Um, you know the touch, the angles, the pinpoint accuracy i mean they were not they were not necessarily like wide open comically easy throws to make so there's degree of difficulty and degree of execution um maybe it's a bit overreactive so you can tell me tell me what you think of this question but michigan should go with Cade mcnamara the rest of the way true or false um yeah, it is another tough one. Like I like I'll just go back to what I said before we got on. I I think you just have to be very very careful in making a knee jerk reaction to bench Milton permanently as far as like a starting situation goes only because if you turn to McNamara now you know, I think you lose Milton for the rest of the season. I I think you shatter any confidence he may have not saying he's confident right now, but to be fair, 
until Saturday, until yesterday, I, I didn't think he was one of the main problems for Michigan struggles. You know, yes. I agree. Yeah. But on top of that, though, you'd argue that Wisconsin by far the best defense that Michigan has played so far. And so this is what he looked like against what we would say is an upper echelon type defense, right? So I just think you got to be very careful. I'm not saying you don't go with McNamara. I just think if you're Michigan, this is – it's already a lost season. The only True. possible yeah. way you can turn that, – that anything positive comes out is if you pull out a miracle against Ohio State, which, again, nobody's expecting that to happen. It's the only way you can change the optics of the season. So I think you have to be – you have to think not about – so much about now as far as, like, going forward, like next year. You know, and so that's where I think you got to be real careful because I think if they made a change now, I just think it, I think the the long term damage could be worse than the short term band aid. It would be by putting because I think if you if you go back and say okay we're going to start Milton on Saturday against Rutgers, I don't think you're necessarily damaging McNamara's confidence or anything. I think he was already the backup. Yeah, he wouldn't hit the portal. Right. Or be on so. portal watch, I guess. Right. So, you know, I don't I just I think you got to be very careful in how you handle it because you you don't want to end up in a situation where I'm not saying you wouldn't literally have one quarterback because if you put McNamara in, he struggles, you go back to Milton. I just I guess it's another thing where you kind of got to be in the locker room. Is Milton the kind because to me, I Milton strikes me as the kind of guy that wouldn't need to be benched to understand that he needs to that there's work that needs to be done because I think right there's he's a guy that has put in a ton of work to get to where he's gotten so you know I, I think it's a situation where yeah I mean there's stuff that we don't know about the makeup of each of these guys to see how Michigan will handle it I just like I said I think you got to be very careful to just say but I agree that his one drive was it was it was he looked calm comfortable and he made a, a variety of throws too um, but you just, you can't, you know, I, I'm not saying like that McNamara isn't eventually going to be the better guy, but I just don't think you rush to give up on Joe Milton based on one poor performance in, in another one in which Michigan absolutely could not run the football at all and give him mm-hmm. any kind of help up front, you know, across the board. So. It'll be interesting to see how they handle it. If they go with McNamara, I I, I kind of would be surprised if they just rush and go with McNamara to start next Saturday. I just I think you put I think you start Milton with just a short leash. Yeah, it it would definitely it would definitely be a surprise. I agree with you there. Um, in terms of what I expect. Now, as far as the true false, I I think you're absolute. I think you are absolutely right. Michigan has to be really careful, and since we don't see these players in practice. We also have to understand that, that we we don't have the sample size to make a, a true determination. But I I think there's a very interesting argument to be made for switching over to Cade McNamara. So the so the downside, of course, you you're not just um uh you know Joe Milton obviously isn't going to take that lightly. But it, it's also, isn't it kind of Michigan or Jim Harbaugh specifically admitting defeat on developing a quarterback again? I mean, you're basically, I mean, you can't just like keep keep drawing the next card until you get the one that works. And so um, 
you know, I, I, I agree. I think, I don't think Joe Milton's been Michigan's biggest problem. He hasn't been the solution either though. I mean, you know, he, he still has some accuracy issues. Um, I think he's completing 56% of his passes. That's lower than Shea Patterson. Uh, you know, he's still telegraphing passes. I, I actually thought, you know, the two interceptions are, are going to kind of steal the show. I thought everything he did after the two interceptions was really not a, um, not a good look for him. I mean, Wisconsin, they really didn't view him as someone who was going to look at multiple receivers on a play. I mean, whoever he looked at first, that's basically where, um, you know, Wisconsin kind of, I mean, granted they're covering everybody, but, but that's kind of, I mean, Wisconsin clearly did not, did not give Milton even the credit to go look at a second, you know, a check down or, or a second read. And so, um, you know, he still has a lot to learn and, and that was always going to be the case. He was always kind of, at least in, in our eyes, a year three quarterback, but Joe Milton is in his third season and he has started four games. And so I think the big question for Michigan is they have to look and think, okay. And then again, this is about the transparent, honest look. They have to look at what they have with Joe Milton, look at the film and say, is there a quarterback that can win Michigan a Big Ten title in in Joe Milton? And if the answer is is no, well, then I think it should be a, a, a toe-to-toe battle between McNamara and Milton. Because I, I think, you know, people were bringing this up yesterday. Now, granted, I don't think Graham Mertz had an amazing game. And he has a great team around him that makes it easy to be a good quarterback. But he is younger than Milton less experienced than Milton. And, and Cade McNamara is younger than Milton, less experienced than Milton. You know, I, I, I don't think the youth and inexperience card gets to be used with Joe Milton anymore. I mean, he put in a ton of work. He is probably one of the team's hardest workers. But, and so, so you start to wonder, you know, halfway through a season, Granted, a shortened season, but but with a longer off season, okay. He, clearly, he has a high ceiling, but what what does he what does he get to? How far? How high does he get? Uh, you know, under the current situation. So, um, something to consider. And then and then also, Steve, I agree with you. I think the season is effectively a lost season. Even losing to Ohio State, Michigan has a path to have a winning season and to make a bowl game and to win a bowl game and, and create something this year out of nothing. I think, um, you know, Rutgers, Penn state, Maryland, the latter two at home, granted that hasn't looked like a huge advantage this season, but Rutgers, Penn state, Maryland, all, at least in my mind, Steve, very beatable. The big 10 West outside of Wisconsin so far, has looked in, in Iowa on a good, I think Iowa would beat Michigan right now, but you know, if that, for that um, big 10 champions week game, there's a, there's a path for Michigan to go five and four in the regular season. I know that's nothing Michigan fans want to hear and get to a bowl game. I think that would be better than packing it in. And so I, I think Michigan should look at this as, okay, who's going to, 
you know, it's, it sounds crazy. This is the this is the strongest indictment on how far Michigan has fallen uh, as anything. Michigan has to go into this week giving both quarterbacks a fair shake and looking and thinking who gives us a better chance to beat Rutgers. <laughs> Which I can't believe I'm a, saying a sentence <laughs> a sentence we never thought uh, would be uttered. Um, right. It's but but in all seriousness, like I I think I think it's worthwhile for Michigan. You know, because again, you don't get to tank. You don't get a top five draft pick if you pack it in and and whatnot. You don't necessarily have to blow things. We'll talk about this in a moment with benching players, but or other players. But um, I think there's something to play for, and Michigan also has to keep an eye on 2021. They want to go into 2021. You know, I guess you can add this to to the discussion with JJ McCarthy. My guess, knowing Jim Harbaugh's history, is that he does not want to go into 2021, assuming he's the coach, um, thinking J.J. McCarthy has to be the starting quarterback. I think he wants to go into 2021 thinking, all right, you know, I found my guy. I found the guy that's going to, you know, get Michigan. Even if it's not like beating Ohio State necessarily, although Ohio State will be, will have a new quarterback. Um, you know, I think Michigan has to has to figure this out by the end of the season. And honestly, I, I feel like I saw enough from Cade McNamara to at least at they, I think they should at least split reps this week. I don't know where you stand on that. I, I think, you know, Milton's not afraid of a challenge. Go ahead. Have him split reps. Sure. Uh, you know, he's not going to if, if he's if he's what we hear he is in terms of a guy who doesn't back down, who's a true leader. Um you know, really has commanded the offense of locker room in that sense, then it'll show it'll show. And, and if he's got a cannon arm and is continuing to progress and touch and, and whatnot, then work with it. But Cade McNamara, 12,000 yard, 12,800 passing yards in high school, 146 touchdowns. I mean, he, he has a lot more game reps than Joe Milton does. And so I think Michigan does have to look at this with an open mind and say, well, is Cade McNamara who, who suffered injuries last season uh, and didn't necessarily get to practice as much as someone normally would in their true freshman year. Is he continuing to ascend and, and is he on par or even better than Joe Milton in terms of helping Michigan win this year? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see both of them. I just, I just think Michigan's just got to be careful about how they handle it. You know, I that, agree. I, I that's, and that's, and that's, that's just make, the fact of the transfer portal, right? Exactly. The transfer to portal, like yep. I think once every forty-two hours. I think I calculated it at one time. That's pretty crazy. Yeah. Um, yes, I found. I sound like a PSA. Yeah. Once every forty-two hours, a quarterback enters the transfer portal. <laughs> that's not. But you're, you're right though, and it, you know, the honestly, it may be inevitable that somebody's going to anyway at some point. Right. But I think right now, I think Michigan just needs to be careful about how they handle the situation. I know I've said that phrase like nine times. They can't, they can't be reckless. Yes. They can't Um, just like, I just don't think you can just hand the keys to McNamara based off of one drive, you know, and again, maybe it is decided in practice. That's probably what it'll end up being at this point. But, you know, I just, if they like Milton as much as it sounds like, you know, it, are we under S like, this is where it gets to a point where I'm like, 
and this is kind of a maybe a topic we can talk about later at a different pod or whatever, but you know, they have a quarterback coach on their staff and I don't feel like it ever gets talked about like <laughs> as far as like, well, no, I mean, you know, it's always, and I'm not no, saying you're that, right. Everyone, it, it, everyone puts it on Jim Harbaugh and Josh Gaddis. Right. Yeah, and there's, I'm not, there's Ben McDaniels. Who's very qualified has worked with NFL quarterbacks and is paid. I mean, I don't know his exact salary, but paid pretty well. And he only is coaching one position. Yeah. And I was like, where is, you know, is there accountability? Like, you know, cause you're right. You you've literally, I don't even think, I bet you could ask. I'm trying to think of a percentage here, but there's probably a healthy percentage of Michigan fans who don't even know who Ben McDaniels is and don't even know that Michigan has a quarterbacks coach on their stat as it is one of their like <laughs> off, like their recruiting assistants, you know, like their guy that can go out on the road and recruit. He's and one of and that's fans. not a swipe at Ben McDaniels. Not just at all. To be clear. It's, that's it's that's just, more just how Michigan has branded itself and kind of the perception of things. Yeah, there is a, for those that don't know, there is a full-time quarterbacks coach on Michigan staff and, and a couple GAs who are quarterback focused. So I know diehards are rolling their eyes because they know who Ben McDaniels is, et cetera, et cetera. But I think there are quite a few, fa- like maybe you're more casual Michigan fans out there. Didn't even know that that, you know, is a thing. So, or didn't know who he was. Yeah. Even. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So now it'll be one of many interesting things here in the next few weeks. I was going to say things are getting interesting and that leads us to our final true false um, I I type a lot more aggressively than I mean to. The Wolverines need to start benching players. True or false? So beyond the quarterback position, uh, you know, Saturday was a mess and a half, right? That was a complete debacle. And I think that I'm not blind to the possibility that Wisconsin is a... I mean, I think I even had them as my preseason number five team. You know, they, they returned... Pretty much everybody on defense, it showed. They returned pretty much everybody on their offensive line, it showed. I know Jonathan Taylor's a big loss, uh, but I I felt like this was a team that could still be, you know, Jake Ferguson, um, Danny Davis, uh, you know, felt felt like a team that maybe could be even better than like a typical Wisconsin team. Same time, literally every position group for Michigan struggled. And, and you're starting, and, and it's one of those things where, okay, maybe in itself, the problem wasn't that big of a deal, but when it's every position group and when you have veteran players regressing, then I think it's time to start wondering, well, kind of similar to, I mean, there several position groups. It's not to pick on Joe Milton, Joe Milton threw two interceptions that really put Michigan in a giant hole, you know, two interceptions on, I believe two of his first three passes. And Wisconsin scored on both opportunities. But pretty much every position group had the Joe Milton equivalent yesterday. You know, they, they were making costly mistakes and just um, just didn't have it. And so, Steve, true or false, it's time to start benching players, even veteran players who might be better than the backups, just to get you know, some new, new faces, some freshness, a spark, um, and maybe fuel the competitive waters a little bit. A hundred percent true. If anything too, it's, it can actually that, and again, I mean, you're, you know, you're clawing and scratching for positives here. I, I think it could be a positive on the recruiting trail too, to show that you're, 
you know, willing to play first year guys or second year guys, even, you know, they were well, cause make- yeah, right now they can't, they can't, they can probably still sell the NFL deal. I think yep. in on the recruiting trail, but they can't sell contending for big 10 titles right now. No, but one thing I I'm curious your thoughts. I, I know it's not a recruiting episode, but can, have you seen the, you can be a part of the solution. Can that recruiting approach approach work? In today's um, football? I think it, it can, but I think there's a definitely a lower ceiling on it. Right. I mean, and again, it, it probably helps to play younger players. It does. Absolutely. But I do think there's a ceiling on that. Again, we're seeing the same five or six programs at the top of the rankings every year, as far as recruiting goes. So, and those aren't teams that need to sell being part of the solution there can, they can sell. We can continue winning at like a 90% clip. Right. You know, um, but I do think, you know, I think putting some younger guys in there, getting them some playing time can help with the recruiting aspect. But at the same time, I mean, there are certain spots where it's like, we believe that Michigan has recruited well, let's say at linebacker. How is a guy like Mullings or Hill Green not? And again, this doesn't say sit a certain, any certain players and not let them play anymore, but like, to, how is it any different than putting in the backup quarterback for a few drives and seeing what they can do, you know? And Michigan's, sorry, this is separate. I don't mean to cut you off. Michigan's defensive, like, refusal to play freshmen forever. I mean, this has been, I don't know if it's Don Brown, I don't know if it's Jim Harbaugh. Um, I mean, Dax Hill is still the only true freshman to start on defense for Michigan under Don Brown. I think period under Jim Harbaugh, and he only did it because Brad Hawkins was injured. I, I again, maybe not starting lineup, but I agree with you. They recruited well enough that you think these players could step in and produce. And that is one of the most... I don't want to say infuriating sounds too strong, but like, that's one of the most like um, vexing puzzling. Yeah. Is like, they are recruiting really talented players out of high school and you're seeing pro. Well, the national 24 uh, seven just had to release their national freshman of the week. And it was Nick Herbig, true freshman linebacker for Wisconsin who played last. I had treat three tackles for loss in that game. It's like, and Nick Herbig, don't get me wrong, great prospect, actually. I think he was maybe Wisconsin's, one of their top two or three guys they recruited last cycle. But Well, and he was a great find. You know, he was, yeah. was kind of like a Roman Wilson from Hawaii. Absolutely. Might have yes. been overlooked a little bit. Yes. Either way, you know, it, yeah, it's like, it's it's almost non-existent. That true freshman guy, like the fact that Makari played, Page even played, in a situation when the game was still in doubt against Minnesota and the season opener was this crazy. What? You know, like they're playing a true freshman when the game is still in doubt. Like that's how rare it is for these guys to get opportunities early. So, and that's where like, we go back to the last or to the original question. It would signal a shift from what Michigan is usually done, but I think it's an, it's a absolutely necessary one at this point. You know, I mean, that's the other thing you look around the country in some of these elite programs, a Clemson or an Alabama. And I know that more often than not, they're recruiting a higher caliber player than Michigan is as far as like on a player versus player basis. 
But even then, there are some of the guys that play early for those programs are not like, you know, they're they're five star type guys. They a lot of the other programs around the country really seem to take the approach of just baptism by fire. And Michigan seems so hesitant to do that with certain guys. And I don't know if that means that that Don Brown scheme is just overly complicated. I got to assume it has something to do with the scheme being a little more advanced. You know, that was the whole reason last year, because that's the thing, Daxon Hill, not to, you know, because, you you know, he had flipped to Alabama. is like he 100% would have played from the get-go for them last year. Maybe not started, but he would have definitely seen some, some snaps for sure. And well, you know, the way it's explained to us is, well, Michigan's bridge program prevented him from really getting a grasp of the defense. So Michigan's going to have to bring him along slowly. And you're talking about a guy. And again, this has been said a few times. I'm not sure how true it is, but that Nick Saban made the comment that Hill was one of the two or three best defensive backs that Alabama had recruited in the last, since he had been there or something, just this like outrageously high praise. And it's like a guy like that should not, need time to be like brought in like that's a guy who should be playing in some capacity day one you know and so and not every not you know Dax Hill's kind of the exception as far as like not many of these other guys are at that level when they come in but these guys need to be playing some of these guys need to be playing more like how is like a Kellel Mullings or Nikai Hill Green how are they not seeing any like extended snaps last night it just it didn't make any sense to me uh, given not just the actual production, but then we talk about the attitude at the beginning. You know, get a young guy in there who wants to prove himself, and I guarantee you the energy level is going to go up, right? So that's one of the – because I kind of rambled about it a little bit. That is because that's one of the things that has always frustrated me about Michigan, particularly defensively, is, you know, this just major hesitancy to to play their young players. I'd say the same, though, at corner – I think yesterday was the first time we really even saw DJ Turner. Someone that was so highly praised yeah. in May and in last season. Yeah, no, you are absolutely right. And and the weird thing is so many people say, oh, Michigan's, you know, recruiting misses on the trail are coming back to bite them. And and I think there's some truth to that. You know, you, you, that discussion's been had. But Michigan had, Michigan recruited nine top 200 defensive recruits in the 2019 2020 class classes i should say uh chris hinton and dax hill are the only ones starting and they're really the only ones playing significant snaps i was gonna say it's it's less less about them starting that it is they're the only ones that are playing a ton and so yeah it's um i mean it's another ding on on the down brown way i guess I was going to say, it's right. like, you know, I get, I get there's a system to learn. And, and to Don Brown's credit, they have a ton of second year players who historically have, have kind of burst onto the scene. I mean, you could, you could run down the list. Um, but, you know, a question to consider Devin Bush, all American, generational talent. Why didn't he play more his freshman year? David Long, probably always going to be underappreciated by fans because coverage stats are are not commonly tracked. But you know, eventually became a top seventy five pick. Why didn't he play more his freshman year? 
Granted, he had some, and both both those guys had NFL draft picks in front of them. But yeah, I mean that's that's a it's always been a weird thing, and it's it's more weird now when Michigan's not good, when they have players who are not playing well. I, I don't know if they really have. Um, I mean, it seems like they've rotated that defensive line, especially with the injuries. Feel like we know what the backups look like there now. But but uh, yeah, I agree with you at linebacker, Clell Mellings, uh, someone who. I was really impressed with watching his his high school film and and ranked 152 in the composite. I think is where he finished. You know, Andre Selden, higher ranked as a recruit than any other cornerback on Michigan's roster. Yep. Yeah, I was gonna say Andre Selden was another one where and at corner, you like you want a rotation at corner anyway. At least you know, something, yeah. Right, you yeah. like and, and like so. Yeah, that's where it's like, man. If like, because part of me, the the other, the flip side, and again, this isn't not this isn't even a positive. This is another big negative. Is like, you have to at least think to give the coaching staff enough credit to believe that if they're not playing a guy, it's because they don't think that they can help them yet. But to me, then then I'm, then I'm like, how is if you're not getting help from the guys that you have, how is like, you know, these top recruits, how are they not <laughs> capable of helping you yet? It's like, how far, how long do you need to? Yeah, how bad, things? how bad are the backups? Yeah, how long do you need to string this along to so that you actually think a guy's ready? Or can you just throw a guy in there, you know, let him learn? There's going to be mistakes along They'd the way. They'd probably be players. one in three, even if they played their backups, right? Yep. Yeah. I mean, no, I, I agree. <laughs> and, and, yeah, so it's hard to tell because, again, if they had open practices, I could tell you, well, Andre Selden struggles with this or he's not ready for game. Or, or I mean, we never know. You know, we I, I bring out the binoculars and, and go through every position group, but we never know. I mean, there could be a player that's out there um, that's just not healthy enough to play. So kind of a weird spot for us to be in, but I think I think Don Brown's lost his credibility in terms of trust the process or trust what's been working. Um, Cause yeah, I have, I have a very hard time believing. Well, I mean, it happens at quarterback all the time. A quarterback comes in and he's just a gamer when the lights are on. He, you know, he does more of what's seen in practice. I have to think at this point, not to pick on him at this point, Josh Ross kind of, he's starting to show that Joe Bolden, you know, crazy good in practice so so in games um you know the 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 high football iq that the don brown said he was the smartest linebacker he's ever coached you know the i think he's a very good tackler i I don't think he's um you know i don't think he's like incapable of playing division one football as fans seem to overreact to but man you got i mean at some point you just got to try it right if you're one and three I, i know i mentioned there's there's something to be made out of this season. But if your backups are there and they're working and they're, you know, maybe they can provide a, a fresh spark, play them. Worst that happens is you say, well, that didn't work. Let's put the starter back in. I mean, it doesn't, you don't have to be like, it's not like you have to commit to it for, it's not a 30 year mortgage on Kalel Mullings. It's playing him for a series or two in meaningful, you know, high leverage situations. Also, you know, offensive line's different because you can't just rotate. You know, there is a chemistry to be built. 
But Michigan's recruited offensive line pretty well the past couple of years. And I know Zach Zinter's in there. I know Carson Barnhart's in there. Um, I know they're injured too, but I don't know. Maybe I'm. Maybe this is just the eye in the press box. Got to got to think if you're Michigan, just philosophically, this week has got to be a let's let's empty the empty the pantry. Let's see what's in here. You know, let's see who it can anybody step up in games and and help Michigan win. I feel like that's a question that is probably more on the table now than it was two weeks ago, three weeks ago. Has to be. Got to yeah. see what your future holds. That's true. If it's not, what exactly is Michigan doing? And what they're what are you waiting <laughs> for now? Right. I mean, yeah, Rutgers a team, despite Michigan looking as horribly as they had the last couple weeks, Rutgers is still a game that Michigan can absolutely win. Right. And then, so if you can do that while kind of getting a glimpse at your future, like giving some different guys some opportunities, you know, I think that's a best case scenario for them next Saturday. Yeah. Cause I think there is something to be said, you know, thinking, sorry to keep picking on one player, but like Kalel Mullings, I think there is an argument to be made. His first, you know, true college action probably didn't need to be against Wisconsin. You know, that's, that's just a, that's a rough introduction to college football. And, and you could say the same um, for a few different players. Maybe Rutgers is the game where, where you kind of, again, empty the pantry, put it all on the table, see what you have. But yeah, I think, I think it's time. I, I, you could argue it's time before, uh, but yeah, if Jim Harbaugh has got a true meritocracy, well, right now, based on the definition of meritocracy, there is a, there are every position battle should be a position battle and nobody looked good on Saturday. Therefore the battle should be closer than, than it was before. Um, so those were our true falses. We got our air it out segment. I, I got something to say if I can go first, I'll let you sure. go second. I, so last, last night, I know John Bacon kind of went, not viral, but, but it, be, it, it gained some steam among Michigan fans that there is no scenario where Ward Manuel fires Jim Harbaugh. And there's very li- low odds that Jim Harbaugh doesn't come back for 2021. And I don't think on its own, either of those things are necessarily uh wrong and by the way bacon knows his stuff I, I if i'm not mistaken he broke the jim harbaugh coming to michigan story so he is he is as plugged in as anyone um always enjoy chatting with him i haven't seen him at a game this year but i think if if that's the case if ward manuel is really in that situation i don't think he can be michigan's athletic director anymore i i mean i that is so Mm, I, w- I won't use the the stupid word, but it's not it's not very it's not very smart. I don't, and I think that's really hurting Michigan. And I'm not saying Jim Harbaugh has to be fired. I'm not quite in that camp yet. But if if it's not even a discussion, if Ward Manuel isn't spending his Sunday morning at least exp- you know either talking to Jim, figuring out hey what's what are you going going to do to fix this. Or even, you know, kind of kicking the tires on other coaching options. Then I, I really don't think you 
are doing your job as an athletic director. And so that's been the, that's been the thing that's been really, I feel really bad for Michigan fans. I mean, I feel bad for Michigan fans for a lot of reasons all the time, but man, they, I mean, you know, the program, if, if you don't, if, if Michigan's athletic department sees the football program and doesn't see a major problem right now, they either got to like turn the lights on or, you know, turn the windshield wipers on. I mean, it's, it's clear as day. There's a problem. And, and we talked about it. It might not be a fire Jim Harbaugh situation. There, there is a case to be made for Jim Harbaugh to, to, to come back. But if you're not even having the discussion, that's, that's, that's too much blind loyalty. That is too much blind loyalty to be successful. Um, and, and too much blind loyalty for an athletic director who the football coach works for. It's so, you know, I, I think, I think some people were like, I understand where Michigan fans are frustrated with Jim Harbaugh and they're ready to move on. I, I get that part. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't know where you sit on this, but kind of when I, when I read and hear, you know, Ward Manuel is in, is, um, completely satisfied with Jim Harbaugh or not even now granted I don't think he's talked with the media in years uh, but more specifically months um, I yeah it's just it that is just so baffling to me that that is a take and this was before the Wisconsin game but even before the Wisconsin game if Ward Manuel is looking around and not seeing a problem, not seeing a coach that he might have to fire in six weeks, I don't know what he's looking at. I'm not seeing the same program that he's seeing. And again, not necessarily saying Jim Harbaugh needs to be fired, but also the Michigan has a strong, you know, kind of off field. I mean, that should not be that should not save Jim Harbaugh's job. That's a that's a cool cherry on top for Jim Harbaugh. A lot of coaches can have good graduating graduation rates, can focus on academics. Um Jim Harbaugh's not inventing the wheel there. If that's the saving grace, if that's the rationale for keeping him, I don't know if and when Michigan will ever be good. You know, they they need they need a better football program. And perhaps Jim Harbaugh, who who did win 9.4 games per year, his first five years, perhaps he can get Michigan to that point. Perhaps he sees something that we don't see in terms of fixes that can occur as soon as next season. But if, if Ward Manuel's just kind of sitting there like, yeah, no, it's good. Want Jim to coach here for life and just sticking to that. I, I really think Michigan has to start questioning who its athletic director is. Um, you know, it's just, just my thought, something, something that was, you know, as I was walking home from the stadium in the, in the driving rain and freezing cold last night, I was just like, I, that makes no sense. That, that just cannot, that cannot be the case. How can anybody watch every single Michigan game and not say, okay, some serious changes need to be made. Steve, any, any aired out thoughts from you? No, I think I've pretty much, I mean, we've, said a lot. I'm glad you got that off your chest. Glad. Sorry about having to walk home in the wind and pouring rain. That had to have made those thoughts even darker and, <laughs> and more aggressive when they were 
I hate, I hate things that don't make logical sense. No, I agree. It makes no logical sense for that to be the athletic department stance right now. And I will say it's not just ward manual. It, there's also boosters. There's also the administration. I, I, maybe that's unfair for me to say ward manual, although he is the athletic director. So a lot of it's on him, but yeah, if Michigan's administration, I'll say doesn't see a problem, either turn on the lights or give someone else the keys. So does this circle its way back to the idea that Michigan is too arrogant for its own good? If they, if it's an unwillingness to admit that they're wrong. Yeah. I, I think it's change. separate. Cause I think player and coach arrogant players. I'm telling you, I'm saying, I'm talking the booster, the people that maybe helped make this happen to begin with would be un- are unwilling to, you know, to even con- contemplate that this was a mistake and that maybe a change needs to be again. I'm not saying a change necessarily needs to be made. Changes need to be made. I don't know if it's the big one. That's what I meant. Like I'm saying, I'm talking about the, I'm talking about the big change in that, you know, Michigan's fatal flaw. We might rear its ugly head again, where they're unwilling to admit that the big change does need to be made because they're still confident. It'll be right someday that they'll be right someday, you know? So, yeah. So something to monitor the rest of the season. I, I do think if the loss, I mean, if Michigan goes three and six, uh, I can't fathom that there won't be a conversation to be had. But anyway, we got to see how the season goes. And obviously stay tuned over at the michiganinsider.com, michigan.247sports.com for all the writing. I uh, get break from breaking news to in-depth analysis to feature. I, I got everything there. And of course, we podcast. Uh, this this football podcast kind of looking at twice a week, thir- three times a week if the situation calls for it. But for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.